Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Betway. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ. And boy, we have got some fun things to talk about as far as the Cavaliers are concerned. Riding a four-game winning streak and now... Coming home for four straight starting Wednesday night against Washington. And, Jim, we're going to talk about the uh, the winning streak that the Cavs are on in just a couple of moments. And then what a great guest we've got lined up. <laughs> I'm laughing already thinking about it. Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. I know he's going to be as entertaining as always. Yes, yeah, Ced is a special guy. You know, he has one of the most popular podcasts in the New England area. And they do a great job, and uh, he's never been lost for words, so that's just the right vehicle for him. Uh, but he's going to give us some insight into some of the struggles and some of the good things that the Celtics are doing. And he's also now an author. So uh, he's going to yes. tell us about this book that he's written about his times in the Celtics organization as a player and as a broadcaster. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun with Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. So stay with us when Jim and I come back. We're going to listen to some highlights from the past few Cavs games. Boy, have they been a lot of fun. So stay with us. It's Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Left corner to Rubio, wide open three. Ricky swishes it. Rubio will shoot a three. Good! Allen in the lane. Top side, Rubio. Three ball. Good! Ricky Rubio. Rubio to the forecourt. Stops three. Perfect! Rubio, left wing three. Good! Ricky Rubio is on fire. Rubio out front. A three. Good! Oh, my goodness! Ricky Rubio can't miss. Rubio, left wing three. Good! He's got another one. Ricky Rubio, he's been the maestro tonight. On the left-hand dribble, works left wing, fakes a three. Now he'll shoot it. And he's got another one. And with that three ball, Ricky now has a career-high 37 points. Ricky Rubio last night at Madison Square Garden in New York. What a performance, the career high, 37 points. Oh, by the way, he did have 10 assists in that 126-109 to win for the Cavs over the New York Knicks. The Cavs have now won four in a row, seven and four on the season. And, Jim, that win last night just capped off another terrific week for the Cavaliers. Well, Rubio is now the first in history to have a 30-plus, 10-assist-plus, eight or more three-pointers. He's the first in NBA history. So you were broadcasting history last night, but the most unique thing 
was that he was responsible for 59 of the 126 points. Of course, it's 37 points, but 22 points from his 10 assists. Jeez. Incredible night. He dominated, Tim. He controlled that game in the second half. You don't see many games in our league, as I said last night, where one player literally controlled the whole game, and that's what he did in the second half for the Cavaliers. He was absolutely magnificent, and as I said, it capped off a great week for the Cavs. The Cavs started this a nice little run this week with a 107-104 win over the Portland Trailblazers. That game last Wednesday at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and that one ended on a great defensive stand by Jared Allen as Portland went for the tie on a Dame Lillard three. Robert Covington looking, got it into Lillard. Lillard out front against Osmond. Lillard picked up now by Allen on a switch. Five on the clock, four on the clock. Lillard three off the back of the rim, no good. Rebound grabbed by Mobley, and that'll do it. Put this one in the win column for the Cavaliers. 107-104. And Jim, uh, that win over the Trailblazers, I think kind of propelled them into the next game, uh, of course, against Toronto on Friday night. I think it did. It was all about confidence, Tim. It was all about confidence. Confidence not only in their offense, but that their defense could get stops and get the job done. Now, here's the the different part about the game up in Toronto. The Cavs never, and I mean never, led the game until Darius Garland hit two free throws with 4.8 seconds on the clock to give the Cavs a 102-101 to lead. It was their first lead of the game. And so now Toronto, with 4.8 on the clock and trailing for the first time, would try to win it. Here's the way the final 4.8 ticked off. Barnes gets the basketball. Barnes looking, looking. Got it out front. Ananobi left of the lane. Ananobi, tough baseline shot. No tipped up. No! Cavs win! Cavs win! 102-101. Cavs win it in Toronto. If you're going to lead once in the game, it might as well be the final score. <laughs> Jim, how about the fortitude and the stuff, Timmy. <laughs> the fortitude and the toughness of the Cavs? I mean, that was hostile territory up there to find a way to win that one and then get another stop at the end to close out a game. You know, Jerry West once said, uh, uh, if, "If you don't have confidence, then you shouldn't be playing in the NBA." What this team has developed by the coaxing of their great coach, young Bickerstaff, is that now they believe that they can win, and it's not up to their offense. They believe that they can stop people. With that size and the super young Mobley who gives them the flexibility on the front line, a rejuvenated Jared Allen who's playing some of the best basketball of any big in our league, and then Garland coming into his own. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. But the added feature, Tim, is the toughness. They don't give in when they're down, bad officiating, missing shots, turning the ball over. They still continue to compete. And then, of course, uh, last night in New York, the incredible performance by Ricky Rubio, career-high 37 to go along with 10 assists, eight three balls. Here's what Ricky had to say about his performance at the Mecca. I let the game come to me on uh, playing the right way. Shots were falling, taking them. Oh, good. I had it like in the Olympics not a long uh, time ago and um been working on adjusting my game to what the NBA game and uh, at the end of the day basketball is coming to. Usually it was a point guard where setting 
teammates uh, shots, but now it seems like uh, we got to take more threes, more shots, adjusting, working on that, and uh, hard work pays off. And tonight was one of those nights. Boy, Jimmy, talk about a pro's pro one game at a time, but boy, that's a night Ricky will never forget. You're right. You remember there, there's been times when he has dominated uh, for two or three minutes, but a whole second half, Tim, and every shot he made, we needed. They put everybody on him. Grimes, anybody who they thought could defend, they put on Riccio, and they switched everything. When he went to the wings off his dribble, when it was a high dribble screen off to the side, they double teamed and tried to get the ball out of his hands. But what did he do? He split the double team, or he hesitated, turned his back, and and was able to get away from the double team. All of those things come with experience. You know, you're looking at a guy who was the leading scorer on his Olympic team this year. And remember what he said at press night, that he wanted to bring that momentum and that good play right into the NBA season. Well, hey, it's arrived, and uh, the Cavs are the beneficiaries. Well, he sure has done that. All right, we'll take a timeout when we come back. Oh, Jim and I have been looking forward to this for a few days. Cedric! Cornbread Maxwell will join us. Oh, what a great guest he is. And he's up next on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Presented by Betway. You know, there are guests who sit in our Legends chair, and then there are guests who get the real special treatment in the Legends chair. None other than Cornbread. Yes, Cedric Maxwell makes yet another appearance on Cavs HQ. Said, how about that intro? Man, that's one of the great intros I've ever had. I I laughed. They used to have have an intro for me down in uh, Charlotte when I was on WFNZ doing talk radio, and uh, I made a bold prediction about somebody, and a guy put uh, Isaac Hayes to my name, and it said, that cornbread's a bad mother, and then shut your mouth. So intro rivals that one. That was that was that was really really good, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Oh well, we love having you on this show, as you know, and uh, you're in the legends chair as an NBA legend, as a broadcasting legend, and now author. Yes, author Cedric Maxwell. We're going to talk to Ced about the book. If these walls could talk. Stories from the Boston Celtics, my goodness, sidelines, locker room, and press box. So we're going to have a lot of fun with Sid in this uh, edition of Cavs HQ. Well, first, uh, boy, this Boston Celtics team, it's a strange club to figure out, Sid. We'll start with the present before we go to the past and talk about your book. Celtics 4-6 and six on the year. You haven't won a home game. Uh, what's going on yeah. with that group? 
That is kind of crazy to think that you've had three home games and your first game you got blown out by Toronto by about 25. The last home game you had, you lost Chicago. You were up by 19 in the third quarter, and they end up beating you by 15. So this team has been crazy going in and playing Orlando, beating them, and then winning the game against Miami, second night of a back-to-back when Miami actually had the, one of the best records in the Eastern Conference, and then losing to Dallas on uh, what I call the reincarnation of Larry Bird. He had another long-distance shot, which was the third time that the young superstar from Dallas has beaten the Celtics with a long-distance shot from outside. Said, you know, that's the nature of the game. But one of the things that uh, that you and I have had some discussions about was about chemistry. You know, Jalen Green seems to have visions of being a superstar, and Tatum is just a blink away from being one. I asked you the question: Can they coexist? Yeah, you're saying, and and Jim, I'll just straighten you. I know you you're 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 busy, but it's Jalen Brown. You gave him Green, but. Jalen Brown and, <laughs> and Jalen Brown and Tatum. Yeah, this yeah. is the problem that yeah. I have, Jim. Is that I think that the same two players. They are they are both Ooh, jump I, shooting man. forwards, and I love both of them. They're both tremendous yes. players. But you know the thing about NBA basketball is you you have to have a contrast. Have a guy who's outside and another guy inside. The guy who doesn't need the ball. A guy who needs the ball. And because of that, I heard a rumor today, and, and they were saying it, boy, and I would think that Brad would have the biggest balls I've ever seen if they pulled it, if they did this deal. They said maybe Simmons to Boston for Brown. And I was thinking, yes. like, somebody's like, oh, I hate that. And then I thought about it, and I said, mm-hmm. that maybe, you know, you think about it, the thing that you understand about Simmons, if he's going to play, Emi Adoka had coached him. But another thing about him is the fact that he is—he doesn't need the ball to be effective, especially yes. defensively. He's one of the best big defenders we've seen in a long time. He rebounds the ball. He pushes the ball. He would be a total opposite contrast to what Tatum would be or, or Brown would be if you decided to trade either one of them. So I, I, I just think that Boy Brad would be rolling the dice Man, he'd be just like at that casino in downtown Cleveland. You know, he'd be rolling. The- <laughs> if you make that move, that would be. I mean, I would. I like the idea. I like the concept. How it would turn out would be really interesting. Considering, you know, who Brown is. Brown is an exceptional player, and I love yes, him. He is. But again, we're talking about the contrast between Tatum and Brown. Can they coexist? How can they make each other better? And right now, both guys need the basketball. Both guys are jump shooters. And as far as I can remember back, Jim, there's only one basketball in the game. So, so I, that'll be, that's my answer in a nutshell. Said I want to play something for you that uh, Jalen Brown said recently and then get your reaction to that. Here's Jalen. Mm-hmm. Making our teammates better. I think that's you know part of being a leader and things like that, that I still have a lot of growth to do that I'm actively working on. But that's my challenge, and you know, I'm focusing my energy on that. That he wants to become a leader of this basketball team. Uh, what are your reactions to what Jalen just said? 
Well, people in hell want ice water. Don't necessarily mean they're going to get it. Uh, uh, I know Jim would like that. That's old school right there, Jim. <laughs> um, yeah, he wants to be a leader. And can he be a leader? Uh, can you make your teammates better? Somebody was complaining the other day, said, well, Brown and Tatum only had five assists in the game uh, combined. The thing we know, you can pass a guy a ball. If you don't make the shot, then you don't get an assist. That stat alone can always kind of be misleading. And I know, Jim, you play with magic. And if there's yes. one thing that you want that pissed him off is you let you miss a layup and he wasn't that's supposed right. to get an assist. Boy, he was, that's, that's he was, right. was going to be ready to go crazy. That's right. But also, Brad, let's analyze what he said. He wants to be the leader mm-hmm. of the team. You and I both mm-hmm. know to be the leader is a tremendous sacrifice. Do you think he could sacrifice maybe five to six less touches and a little more defense so that the team could win and Tatum could be unleashed? Do you think he would do that? I don't know, because it seems like, to me, he has a personal agenda. You know, I think both guys want to step up. And, and you know, being in somebody's shadow isn't necessarily the most fun thing to do. Uh, you know, I played in, in the shadow of, and I was having to be with them uh, this weekend. We I did a autograph signing here in Boston, and Robert Parrish was there, and Nate Archibald, oh. and oh, and you know, and I was sitting there thinking about it. I said, and then we didn't have Mikhail or Bird, so hmm. I I had to I I more than maybe a lot of people have had to be in the back seat of a car and watching hmm. somebody else drive, thinking that I might be able to do it. So. It really is a, a crazy thing when you think about players and them sacrificing and who they can be. Uh, you know, I think about those great Cav teams when you played at the time. And the guy I love was Campy Russell shooting that jump yes, shot. I told, exactly him, I right. told him right now, I told Campy, you know, I still want to fight him today because he elbowed <laughs> me in the mouth. With, he, he got me up in the air with that jump shot, a little pump fake, and then – I, I took the fake and he jumped. I jumped and he put that elbow right in my mouth. I said, "Dude, you <laughs> can fight him right now." And he always laughed. I'm like, "Oh, cornbread! I was just you were getting up on me and all that." But you know, he took the back seat. When you think about Bingo and some of the players That's they right. had at that time, with Bill Fitch, really had things going over there with the Cavaliers. But somebody has to be willing to take the back seat. Exactly. Well, then let me ask you a question. Then does it become a question of Stevens and the coach? Because, Brett, ambition is why we play. But it takes the coach to bring us together as far as maybe sacrifice a little of that ambition for the good of the team. Is this a coaching thing and maybe a Stevens upstairs thing? Well, that that's them making the decision. Uh, sure. You know, at the end of the day, players play and, and coaches yeah. coach. Great teams or great players you know, or great teams normally don't even need coaches. They, they do that stuff on the fly because they know and they understand to play the game. But you have to have the personnel who are intelligent enough to play. Uh, you know, uh, you both guys have been around smart players. You go, man, that dude, he, he gets it. He understands the game. He's going to be able to sacrifice. You think about your Cavalier team, you know, just when you when you had LeBron and Kyrie, it yeah. always seems like Kyrie was not the guy that wanted to say, I want to take that back seat. And yeah. because of that, there was a fracture in your chemistry. And I'll, I'll say this again on I'll say this again when, you know, that 
people laugh at me. I tell the story all the time. I said, when Kyrie was a free agent, we happened to be playing in Cleveland. Jim Jones looked over at me and said, you know Kyrie's not coming back. I said, no, Jim, no, no, Jim. He's, he's a good guy. He, he's a great he said, He said, Brad, let me tell you, Kyrie Irving is not coming back to Boston. <laughs> and, and my, sure enough, Kyrie Irving did not come back to Boston. <laughs> said, Jim Jones is like E.F. Hutton. When he speaks, we all listen. All right, we're going to take it. No, hold on. Before you guys take this break, I want to say this, because I remember talking to you, young man, and talking about LeBron James. I said, LeBron James is leaving Cleveland. And you looked at me like, no, 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 no way. No way LeBron James is leaving Cleveland. And this was the first time. And you were just like devastated and just went at me. Oh, you and your other co-hosts went at me. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Da, da, da. You saw me the next time when LeBron had left and you both you guys went, we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Yeah, it can be said and, and other people do know. That's true. That's true. All right, we'll take the break. Yeah, that's why Jim's EF Hutton and I'm not. But a quick timeout and more to come. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Tomorrow and Wednesday, the Cavs will have a mobile book fair powered by First Energy and Scholastic. This event takes place at Denison Elementary. During the book fair, the Cavs will set up a wide variety of books in the school, and each child will get a great opportunity to select two new books to take home at no cost. Read to Achieve. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be back with more Cavs HQ presented by Betway after this on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Eleven point four to go. Luca beat him at this point last year. Will it happen again? Eight to shoot it. Eight seconds left in the game. Six, five. Richardson has him on a switch. Luca steps away. Long three in the air. Phoenix at the buzzer. Doncic does it again. Oh my God, that's crazy. Uh, said we had to play that for you. Sorry, but. Man, that's, yeah, crazy. that's crazy. For me. <laughs> you know, that dude, that was just so, you guys played it, and I could just see the expression on my face like, oh, God. <laughs> and, it was, and, it was, look, and there was nothing you could do about it. I mean, it was no. nothing you could do. You played him. There was a play that happened maybe a second or two, maybe four seconds before that. The Celtics had a chance to get the basketball back. Uh, the shot clock was down to like, would have been down to like five or six seconds. Celtics would have got the ball back. Marcus Smart foul, and now the shot clock was off. So when the shot clock was off, they had the last shot, and Luca has done it three different times to the Celtics, damn oh. near in the same spot. And if that's oh. not Larry Bird, like, who is? Wow. Do you see a lot of similarities between Luca and Larry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see I see all, all kinds of similarities in the fact that as much as the game has changed, Luka refuses to let it change because what you think about games now is multiple touches, moving the basketball around, getting it to different people. When Luka touches it, 
there's times he'll rebound the ball, bring it down, get into a pick and roll, and nobody else ever touches the ball. In this new NBA, that never happens. But during Larry Bird's here, that could happen. Well, I like his confidence, you know, his confidence and his toughness. And uh, he doesn't hurry, said, which reminds me of Larry. Jim, it, it even more so what I like about him, and this is what I've said about Brown and Tatum, in order for the Celtics to get better, is they have to have some meanness. Go back in your mental roller decks That's right. and think about great players in the league over your time. That's and right. you tell me one player that has not gone up and I saw Brown and Brown and Tatum played all, almost 800 games together. In 800 games, I've never seen one of those guys run up to another player on another team and say, if you do that again, and you know the words that come out of my mouth after that, Jim. Yep. But that's how, that's how that is. And I've never seen either one of those guys do that. Where I've seen Luka, as great as Luka is, he has some meanness to him, buddy. That's right. You know, fight you. Somebody did something to him in the game. And he went down, he, he went low, man. He went to the man area and actually punched the guy right in the balls. And I was like, whoa. whoa. That to me, <laughs> it, that to me, and that to me is the difference between, and, and, I, and as much as I love Tatum and Brown, I, wanna see, I don't want to see him do that, but I want to see that meanness to them that you don't have friends in a game or even after a game. That's I can right. catch you during the summertime. If you and I need to jaw and have a good time, that's fine. But during this uh, a game, I want, I want business and I want toughness and I want meanness. And, and sometimes I don't see that in, the two, in our two star players here in Boston. Oh, that's great stuff. Again, we're talking with Cedric Cornbread Maxwell, part of Celtics Radio. Celtics coming into town this weekend at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. We'll see them on Saturday and then again on Monday. So a couple of games with the guys in green coming up. And said uh, you've seen some teams that Jim and I haven't seen yet. Uh, just kind of your overall thoughts on the landscape uh, of the Eastern Conference, especially uh, Philly with everything going on with Ben Simmons uh, still sitting at 8-2, and two, Chicago off to a good start. Here in Cleveland, we're pretty excited about what we've got going on. But uh, what are your thoughts so far through nine, ten, eleven games for most teams? Well, I'm really, I'm really surprised. You know, in some teams, I thought that Boston would have a better record. Um, I look at Philly. I thought that with that mess happening there, and not and Embiid and and Ben Simmons not playing for them to be eight and two, and watch the job that Doc Rivers has done. Great job there. You guys playing well. Uh, the Knicks, everybody said the Knicks were just, you know, a flash in the pan from last year. The Knicks have played really well. Miami going out and getting a couple of players, one of my favorites now, Kyle Lowry, one of the guys Jim always said could have played during the 70s and the 80s yep. because of his toughness and his meanness. Uh, those are some of the teams that I've seen. And uh, Washington has beaten the Celtics twice so far this year. So, it's just kind of up and down, and I, I guess I'm gonna see a little bit more of it later on. Uh, and I'm 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 envisioning things a little bit later, I, even after we play you guys, we get a chance to see the L.A. Fakers when they come to Boston. And, uh, uh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Did I, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry, gentlemen. But yeah, we get a chance to see what's going on there. Is as much as I've always hated the Lakers, but man, with that Westbrook thing. Jim, if that's not a train wreck, 
that you do not, you know, how people start rubbernecking when they see an accident and they can't stop. That's one of them situations that it could be like that. Because I just well, don't said, see how you fit Westbrook in that situation. You, you can't, because you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, the other thing is that you and I both know to win it all, it takes tremendous sacrifice. Westbrook, I don't think he knows how to spell that word. He's going to play his style of play. And I don't have a problem with it if he could shoot. He cannot shoot. He's a terrible yeah. shooter. They back off of him. They help against LeBron and Anthony. He, I don't know what they're going to – I don't think you can afford to get rid of because that means somebody upstairs is going to get fired because what is that, about four, $40 million a year? Somebody's going to have to pay for he's that. A, yeah, you're right. He's the fourth highest paid player in the NBA. Everybody yeah. was ranting and raving, oh, my God, we, you get him, but you're, you're tying him also. And, and God knows, I hate even to say this, but you're tying him to an older LeBron now. Yeah. This is a much older LeBron, as we're seeing, who's played probably more minutes than anybody in the NBA in a long, long time. And you put the playoff games in there and all those minutes LeBron has logged. And then you have uh, – I, I love Charles Barkley's um, – uh, nickname for um, when he when he goes off and looks at Anthony Davidson and call him street clothes. I, I love that because you, you just don't know you just don't know when you might see Anthony Davis because exactly. he is so often hurt. So it's just kind of crazy looking at all these teams from afar and thinking about who wants to be where and it's it's just a crazy league right now. Again, we're talking with Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. He's our guest in the Legends Chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Great player, great broadcaster, and now an author. Yes, we're going to come back and talk to Ced about his brand new book about the history of the Boston Celtics and what he has seen and what he's now going to let the public know. So stay with us. Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ presented by Betway, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones and a guy that we just love having on this show. Cedric Cornbread Maxwell has settled in very comfortably in the Legends chair. And before we took the time out, we were talking about Ced's terrific NBA playing career and now a, a legendary figure in the Boston Celtics broadcast booth. And now Ced has become an author as he, along with Mike Eisenberg, have put together If These Walls Could Talk, stories from the Boston Celtics sideline, locker room, and press box. So, said uh, you told Jim and I you're going to bring us copies this weekend when the Celtics are in town, but uh, what prompted this? What, what made you say, man, I want to write a book about everything that I've seen and heard in my time in Boston with the Celtics? I really hadn't thought about it until Mike Eisenberg came to me and said, hey, did you ever think about writing a book about your story? And he was telling me about he had helped write a, a uh, tell-all uh, in Detroit with Lomas Brown, a, a, defense, um, a lineman for uh, Detroit, um, the Lions. And uh, he said, would you think about it? And I thought about it, and I said, hey, why not? And, <laughs> you know, what it was essentially was me dictating to him 
and having hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of conversations about my stories and, and, and things that I knew. Uh, the interesting part of this book, uh, If These Walls Could Talk, is just uh, all the inside stuff from the time I got there to Boston to the time I left and then to the time I have came back in 25 years. Um, one of the stories in the book is uh, most recently about I put Tatum in the book. Jason Tatum is uh, his second year in the league. Um, he is walking out on the court. And at that time, they had had ESPN had done 30 for 30 uh, Celtics Lakers, the mm-hmm. rivalry. Mm-hmm. And so he walks out on the court and he sees me and he kind of knew me and kind of didn't. But he starts yelling out, go on, breathe. Go on, Brian. Go on, Brian. I said, I said, boy, what's wrong with you? He said, man, I saw that 30 for 30. Damn, you was a bad mother. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that was that was kind of funny. Some in the book. Uh, there are other stories in the book. Even the, an apology that, you know, I kind of gave to my teammates for 1985 when I got hurt. I had never been hurt before. And because I'd never been hurt before, I didn't know how to act. And because I didn't mope around, I think some of my teammates and I just signed a new contract thought that I didn't care. And I, I did care, but I am who I am, regardless. If, if I was hurt, if I'm not hurt, I got the same kind of persona, the same kind of personality. Because they didn't understand that, and I didn't know how to, you know, get that over to them, I, I just, we, there was a lot of friction. And, and, um, there was a comment made by Larry Bird about, you know, when my leg got hurt and I was talking about, he said, I'd rather just break it off. And I felt really insulted by, you know, by that. And, you know, I talked about, you know, when I got traded, Jim, I, you know, yeah. never heard a word. Not a teammate of mine ever called me. Nobody ever made a phone call to say, man, hey, you were here for eight years, won two championships. Uh, you know, good luck wow. to you, and that from oh, the organization. I talk, oh, I talk about that. I talk about. There's one other story in there quickly about Pete Maravich. We got Pete Maravich's last year he played. The great Pete Maravich, one of the top 75 players of all time, and Pete Maravich and Larry on the floor together. Larry Bird, and Pete passes the ball to Larry. Pete's man runs away from him, double teams Larry. And Larry forces up a shot. Somehow there was a timeout. We come back to the bench, and Pete looks over at Larry and says, Larry, Larry, they're double-teaming you, man. You don't force it up. You know, just pass the ball. And I remember Larry saying to him, if you were any damn good, they wouldn't be double-teaming me. And I was, <laughs> I, I was there. I just screamed. I was like, oh, my God. And that was Larry's persona. That you know, a hey, you know, read, a must read. A yeah, must and this, read. this was this is one of the top seventy-five players of all time. Yes. Um, I wish I had put. I don't think I put in there about a Cavalier, and I wish I had put it in there. But uh, you had a Cavalier man that uh, Alani Shelton that played oh, there for yes. a minute with you, six nine, about two ninety. <laughs> Lonnie Shelton wanted to fight you all the time, and I told him, I said, I didn't want to fight. Didn't want to fight. I wasn't going to fight him. And he elbowed me. I said, let me tell you this, Lonnie. Every time you elbow me, I'm going to knock somebody else out. I ain't going to hit you, but I'm going to knock somebody else's ass out. <laughs> and Lonnie hit me with the elbow, and somebody came through the lane, 
And boy, I put the wood to him. He, they were kicking him off. <laughs> and Lonnie was like, that's okay. I'll get him back. I said, let me tell you again. Every time you hit me, it's going to go downhill. <laughs> you hit me, I'm hitting somebody else. So there were a bunch of stories in this book, you know, about me and, 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 and my my ex-wife and, and all kind of things that happened. But there's some there's some real interesting stories in it about about the Celtics during that time. That's awesome. Jim? Well, Cornbread, I just want to say, you know, one of the unique things about playing in this league and about having children, and, you know, I'm a lot older than you, is that you get to see how they turn out. And I just want to commend you uh, on all – I know you've got a podcast, you've got other businesses going, and now the book so people can get an insight – and, uh, and and sort of touch you based upon your storytelling. Uh, I'm, I'm so proud of you and your intellect, the way you communicate your conversation, your dialogue, all of that stuff is so important, it's especially for young aspiring players and young aspiring kids and young people who are trying to identify with themselves. I just want to tell you that I am very, very proud of you, my friend, and I'm glad Let you're my you. friend. Jim, thank you very much, but let me tell you something that you probably don't know. You are a copy of what I do. I've looked at you over the years, and I've watched how you've gone from being the superstar player at Marquette, coming in, breaking your foot, learning, relearning the game again, finding different roles, making sure, and then watching you as a broadcaster – now, I wish I was as good as you taking all these notes. And I, I don't do that. I tell, stories. I, tell, I tell stories. But you are a reason. And just like I told a guy like Sat Sanders, I said, the reason I am and the reason we are is because we have stepped on the shoulders of giants. And you just happen to be one of those giants. You, you're, you're a little giant, but you, you're, you're one of those giants. So, so I'll put it to you like that. I know we didn't want this on Cavs radio. I love Fest, but, you know, that's, that's how I feel about Jim. And the only other thing I feel about Jim is whenever I come to town, I know I have to make Jim not only a book, but I have to give him a sweet potato pie. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, it said we got about 90 seconds here, and since we're all working in radio now, of course, the iconic voice of the Celtics, Johnny Most, uh, as a New England kid growing up, I listened to Johnny. He called your games. Uh, you got to give our listeners one quick story about Johnny Most. What's in that book about the gravelly voice of the Celtics? Well, you just hear Johnny Most all the time. One of the things I remember, and I, I don't even know if I put it in the book. I should have, but it was Johnny Most just being so honest. Oh. And he was talking one time how he was on the mass fight. Uh, it's, a, it's a road, you know, highway which goes in Boston. And he was talking about he was he had to stop to use the bathroom. He said he saw a man and he went into the bathroom and some man asked him a question while he was at the urinal. He said he answered the question and said, You can't lie to another man while you're at the urinal. So I mean Jack Mumbles had a way about him that was unbelievable. That you never tell a lie to a man in the urinal and you never look down. So those things are just always <laughs> Oh, said you are worth the price of admission, man. You're the best. You're the best. 
Well, again, we a lot of people on set, but you are the best. <laughs> <laughs> so we look forward to seeing you on Saturday up in the Joe Tate perch and uh, and Monday with the Celtics here uh, two times in three days. And cannot thank you enough. And I cannot wait thank for the advanced much. copy of the book so uh, I can delve into this. It's going to be so much fun. All right, gentlemen, y'all have a good thank one. Thank you, my friend. You too. We'll see you, you this you. weekend. Right. Oh, just right. the best, the absolute best. <laughs> Oh, I'm laughing. Cedric Cornbread Maxwell in the Legends chair. Oh, my goodness, Jim. He's awesome. More to come on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavs Radio Network. Jim, what a show. Boy, when the Cavs are winning, it's a lot of fun. So those were some fun highlights going back to the beginning of the program. And then, as we promised, how about the entertainment value of one Cedric Cornbread Maxwell? There's no one in the league like Ced. There (laughs) there really isn't. And uh, he proved it today. And he's written a book. We all have to get the book. Once we get the book, you know, then maybe we can talk a little bit about it just between us on air so that our faithful fans can also get the book. The other thing, the other thing uh, is that uh, the Cavaliers have a special place in all of our hearts. I don't even yes. want to think of where we were last year this time, but to be 7-4 and four with a young team that's winning close games, listen to me, close games and not self-destructing in the fourth quarter, uh, is a very unique thing, and uh, let's enjoy it because we're going to be home for a while, right, Tim? We sure are. Looking forward to seeing you in the Joe Tate Perch Wednesday night when the Cavs take on Washington in the first of four straight home games. So, Jimmy, we'll see you then. Of course, thanks to Jim, thanks to the dynamic duo on the other side of the window, Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin. Biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. And as I said, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday from the Joe Tate Perch. Until then, so long. Everybody. <laughs>